You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Making Waves Welcome to Making Waves. This is episode 33. Uh, tonight we have a very special guest. Um, and my name is Justin, along with my co-host here, uh, Chad. Uh, we want to welcome someone who's part of Shiprock lore since pretty much we began, I would think. Right? Every year um, but one, yes. Every year but one. There we one. go. Well, this the before I introduce this guest, his accolades are quite astonishing, quite honestly, in the digital and podcasting world and now also the uh, book writing world. Um, he has been the host of a tour bus for almost two decades, this is a nationally syndicated rock show. He is also the creator of a gas digital network. Basically, they host a whole family of different podcasts. He's the co-host with Big Joe, Big J, Big J Okerson of uh, the SDR podcast, which is also like probably one of the top podcasts for comedy, uh, I believe, on iTunes. Yes, uh, he's also the host of Good Sugar Podcast, which is a uh, it's a health health and wellness uh, related one with a, obviously a, a good healthy dose of humor. And he's also the author of the new book. Um, I think this one is called, what is this called? This is called The, the Guide to Weight. What is that? Weight and Fitness? The 100% Guaranteed Guide to Weight Loss and Fitness. Weight Loss and Fitness. There we go. That book is actually sitting somewhere in the in the charts, right, for comedy? Yeah, it hit, uh, it hit top, top 100. It hit 77 in Amazon in its category which is pretty ridiculous right before the holidays when I was really pushing it for like a stocking stuffer kind of thing. Okay. Well guys, you, you guys know him. Anyone is listening to this, you, you know, that voice, um, the voice is he's, he's kind of one of a kind. Uh, please everyone. Welcome Ralph Sutton, Ralph. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Hello. Hey, it's hi. been, it's been, a, it's been a hot minute and, yeah. uh, you know what, dude? First thing off, congratulations on everything that's going on in your life and the success you're having. It's 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 quite impressive that you're 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 wearing a lot of hats. Thank you so much. It's crazy. You know that um the one of the first SDRs ever was on uh, another short-lived cruise, the Motorhead motorboat cruise. That's right. That's like, right. We were yeah. like a month into SDR when that um came along, and I said, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it on the boat. So, and then it was on, I think, five. Uh, ship rocks in a row or six ship rocks in a row. Yeah. The, the, for those people who wanted to do the uh, late night thing, but didn't want all the, uh, they still wanted to do something, but didn't want to get involved in the disco or whatever's going on down the bar. Uh, but those were always a lot of fun. Also, I'd be remiss to not mention that you did, uh, host the, uh, the motor, the motorboats we did. And also you've been hosting a Sturgis rally along the way. For like seven years in a row. I haven't done the okay. last couple of years, but I did do seven years in a row. I was supposed to go back this year, but I'm kind of a, a COVID taking it seriously for whatever you want to call it. Sure, I do. sure. So I just didn't want to be a part of it, but maybe next year. 
let me ask you with all that with all you got going on and your your career really in a lot of ways it relies on your voice um mm -hmm. obviously your mind everything uh do you have any lozenge sponsors huh, we should you know what i do do though that has made a big difference in my life and chad uh, you maybe could uh you know, chime in on this. I gargle with salt water every day. And I also clean out my nose with salt solution every day. And I, yeah, that disgusting thing. And I is found that an that eddy that, pot. Is that what that is? It's not an eddy pot. It's actually called the, um, it's called Neil med. And it's a, you put it in a, like a squeeze bottle and it shoves up one side and comes out the other. And the first few times you do it, you go, dear God, like how much crap was in my nose? And though you maintain it, it doesn't, it's not that disgusting, but that I think is what made a big difference in me being able to still have my voice when you're doing so. I mean, when you're at Chip Rock, I did, I think I was on stage for 10 hours in a day, you know, straight. So it does a taxing toll on your voice. Yeah. You, uh, <laughs> one of the most interesting things that was going on with you. And I think obviously it refers to the, what you're doing with good sugar and the book is that you basically took stock in yourself again, start taking care of yourself, started asking the hard questions about your wellness, your mental wellness, your physical wellness. Can you tell people how that came about? I mean, was were you just at a point in your life where you said enough's enough? Well, you know, any uh, fans of Shiprock that knew me over the course of the decade that I was on, you could see me from the early days to when I started to balloon up and got really, uh, you know, not in the right headspace. My father got sick and passed away and I basically just started eating. That's what I did. You know, I allowed myself to mourn and I gained 60 pounds. I was crazy heavy. But when I started doing the Good Sugar podcast with this guy, if anyone that's ever been in New York would know this company, they're called uh, Juice Press. There's 90 locations. They're in every Equinox or all over the city. I actually helped build that company in the beginning because he's a friend of mine. And mm -hmm. then he wanted to do a podcast on health and wellness. And then because we know each other for so long, it turned into a podcast really about trying to make me better. That was the yeah. idea of the show, mentally and physically. And one big thing that I think is a big difference for people, because not everyone is a self-starter, self-motivator. If you're in great shape on your own, good for you. 99% of us are not that. We need accountability. Having the show every week, which I realize that's not the right answer for everybody, where I have to go on mic and talk about, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing, became like stressful for me. I'm like, Oh my God, I didn't fucking run this week. I didn't do. And then one day I was like, I am going to make, start making that change. So this was last April. And I just said, no matter what I started with couch to a 5k, which is a great app for anybody that wants to start running. It's you fat bastard. You're on a couch. Now we're going to get you to run a 5k. It's called C 2 5k. And it starts with 20 second runs. And then you walk for a minute, 20 second run, walk for a minute. And now I'm up to the point where I've not missed a run since April. I've only missed two for snow. And uh, I ran 11 miles last Saturday. I ran six miles this morning and I've lost 35 pounds. And uh, it just changed everything. My mental wellness, it, it all, your whole body and mind tie together. Very often people want to separate it, but your mind and your body are one. You have to feed both. No, that's an interesting paradigm is the fact that the, the show really does focus on you. And I think that helps listeners attach themselves to something because now they're invested in you mm -hmm. and they can see themselves in you. Right. I agree. I'm having all, the same. Yeah. So that's a really interesting paradigm. Yeah. And also, by the way, it's funny because I'll be prepping both SDR show and Good Sugar. They could not be more 180s of each other. Literally, one is all about debauchery. And I've done... Uh, a drug on the air once a year, every year, because I've never done any drugs. So once a year, I try a drug. So we, right before COVID, I tried cocaine at 50 years old on the air. 
And then two days later, I'm doing my health and wellness podcast, you know? So it's idiotic, but to me that if you're only defined by one thing, you're a boring person. So you should have multiple aspects to your personality. Do you have to, like, when you did that, just pure curiosity here, did you have to, like, come clean on the other show? You're like, listen, guys. Oh, yeah. I, I would not lie. I'm, I'm so open. You know, I don't hide anything. I think uh, it's much better to the fans if you are all your foibles and all your fuck-ups. You just say what it is because nothing's better than honesty. Totally. I love that. I love the idea yeah, well, of you being was, one day and be like, yeah. I did cocaine yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about yeah. my health and wellness. How shall it's, we? yeah. it's funny you mention that, Ralph. Yeah, people do enjoy people to be very, uh, uh, you know, they, to kind of have all their isms. It puts it out there. But, I mean, the thing about the digital age and these kind of shows that made you very vulnerable mm -hmm. and that makes you very endearing because, you know, people are looking for something. They're looking for themselves in you somewhere. Of course. I think it's important. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, the day of the, entertainer that was on a mountaintop somewhere where he was untouchable is long gone that yeah, the mystery is gone yeah the mystery is gone and you have to embrace that mm -hmm. like a band i was just talking about this the other day if you remember when phones first had cameras right mm -hmm. and if you went to a concert i think it's probably late maybe it's like late 90s or early 2000 i don't remember when that happened but maybe 96 i don't know 95 when the first cameras came into phone at all these venues they would try and take your phone away from you. They would, you know, lie. It, was, it was insane because they didn't know how do we handle this? And then eventually, like, just like with MP3s or anything else, if you don't pivot to adjust to the new normal, you're going to get left behind. So you have to figure out a way to make the new normal work. You're not going to get rid of MP3s now streaming. You're not going to get rid of cameras and phones. So you got to figure out how to be a part of that new culture. I thought yeah. that you were going to say you have to adjust. So we just uh, so we have to figure out how to get Lars Ulrich to show up. And like just <laughs> 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 it's, it's, Lars. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're totally fucking right, though. That, it's huge. The phone thing is interesting. It shows because half of it's annoying as hell because the guy is like, are you going to watch a show when you get right. home? Or are you going to live in the moment now? But also, in a lot of ways, artists now see these people as their best street team. No, for sure. And also, by the yeah. way, on every ship rock they've ever hosted, my one of the first things I say is you're going to film for the entire show that you're never going to look at. The quality is going to suck. No one's watching it because your audio sucks. No one cares. I understand you want to be film it. So you prove you're here. Film the first song, put your phone away and actually live in the moment and enjoy the experience because the experience is what's going to last. Not that stupid video that you're never going to look at again. Yeah, just film what goes on in your cabin. That's all we want to <laughs> see. My cabin, as every Shiprock fan knows, has been very empty for ten years. Yeah. Well, we kept one of those. Oh, we kept one of those open. We used it as a shrine for you. We always walk by. I said, "Here, you don't want this one. It's perilous. Don't go in there. Don't be this guy." <laughs> can I? Can I ask a question? I know that we're we're moving through this pretty quickly, but like, if we could pause, because the drug thing is so interesting to me, uh, as somebody who like. I, I went, I mean, I, as a healing process, I went and I microdosed on LSD for seven mm -hmm. months. I mean, when I say that, it's not like people misconstrue what it is. I didn't take a hit of acid every day for seven months. It's a very regimen. It's, yeah. it's a whole thing. And there's but a lot I'm of curious. documentation now to show that that's actually like that. My friend is getting prescribed ketamine for his depression and there's documentation for mushrooms and all that. So I get it that we, we're touched. We're just scratching the surface with what that can do for under a medical plan, not just 
hey, let's go do cocaine on a show. That's a little different. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'm curious, what have you done? Like, how long has this been going? You said for five years? Five now? years. Yeah. So we skipped. So uh, get- actually, I guess we got 2020 in because we did it in January. So um, first year was edibles. Right. Okay. Uh, Cause I've That's never done anything. Right. And I, wow. there's video of it. You could see it online. I blacked out. And the only reason why my head didn't hit the table was the mic stand that caught my <laughs> face. So I didn't hit the, hit the table. Uh, the second was mushrooms and that video, unfortunately is no longer around and somehow it, it got screwed up, but I was drooling on camera the whole time. That's all I know. Um, <laughs> third, which was our worst experience was Molly but it was the worst experience because it was actually, uh, I was up for three days. It was crystal meth. We didn't know. Oh no. Right. And that was horrible. I was like, up, I was like, Jay, why have I not gone to sleep yet? What the fuck is going on? And we found that it was crystal meth. Then we did Molly real Molly. We got a testing kit and got real Molly. And then last January we did uh, cocaine. So, so are you saying that you did accidentally crystal meth? On- yes. <laughs> Yes, I accidentally crystal meth on the podcast, and I fucking hate it. I've also hated every drug, but I understand that I'm in the worst possible position to try a drug. I'm not in an, in a room with someone I care about and just leaning into the the feeling. I'm trying to do a show, and there's people watching me, and we are breaking the law, you know. But the truth <laughs> is, you could always say like, "No, dude, of course it was shtick. It wasn't real cocaine. Yeah. How are they going to prove that?" You know, so. It's just, it's crazy. It was, it's, I, I don't know what we're doing next, but we're going to do one uh, probably before the end of the year. I was going to ask. Can I make a suggestion? <laughs> yeah, sure. Go ahead. We're thinking ketamine. Salvia. Just do oh. it. Okay. Salvia. <laughs> you, what, yeah. were you, what were you going to say? The ketamine or GHB are the two oh. that are the top winners right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was going to ask what you Those enjoyed are, the most. It's funny the the cocaine thing because yeah. You know, listen, full disclosure, I had my run with the uh, with the powder for a while, and then one time, a uh, guy I was getting it from gave me some crystal. I didn't know it was that. I was like you. I stayed up in my apartment, screaming at the walls for three days. Went cold turkey right after that. It yeah, was it enough. was awful. That, was, that, awful. that snapped. If it, if it didn't kill me, it was going to snap me back into shape. <laughs> it was so terrible. So, yeah, it was so yeah. weird to just be up for three days. It was so weird. It's, it's oh frightening. My God. It's frightening. It was, oh man. And was, yeah. Uh, so you, you you said that the what was the one that did you the wrong? Oh, the Mollies did you the worst. No, the crystal meth did the worst because it was the, the Molly the actually crystal, yeah. the only one I saw. Oh, I get this. I could see why people would dig Molly. That's how I felt about Molly. It was like, oh, I get it. But none of them for me, the the negatives outweigh the positives. The way you feel the next day, the way it, it, it the way it lasts way too fucking long, in my opinion. All these drugs. That's why I like alcohol. You know, you drink you know how to moderate it. One or two drinks and you're good for an hour. And then it's if you want to continue, you drink more. You know, this is not any other drug I've ever tried so far. That's what I don't like about them. You know, in, in Amsterdam, I was last time I was there, I didn't know you could do it. And they do it openly is they, you snort cocoa powder. Oh, and it's really? just more of a, yeah, it's, it's fan. And you kind of go, what? Okay. I'll give it a shot. Really good. It's, it's obviously not going to get you high. It's about creating a t- your taste buds awaken mm-hmm. through your, through your nasal cavity. And it's really amazing. And I haven't done it since I got back. Like I want to replicate that. I'm like, nah, that's, that's merely a, I'm an Amsterdam kind of thing. Cause that's I'd probably cool. fuck it up here in the, you know, the EMTs be like, what did he do? Yeah, well, first yeah, of all, don't, don't <laughs> bit of quick. Yeah, don't use quick. That's what I say. Don't use strawberry uh, quick. Raw ra- ra- cacao, I'm sure, would be the thing. <laughs> so let's let's focus on obviously one thing that it's really put you in, at least on the podcast map is SDR. I mean, you do it, Big J, and you have a lot of guests that have, have rolled through their time. Hey, I'm sorry, I'm going to cut you off for one second. I apologize. Just before we do, I just want to show you the one thing that I really because a lot of people like, there was an angry 
email the other day about my book, right? So I'm showing it to the sure. video listeners, the 100% guaranteed guide to weight loss and fitness, right? Because we just uh -huh. I would close this button. Page one says eat less chapter one, chapter two says work out more. And then the rest of the book is blank. And that is what I wrote. And it went to number 77 on Amazon. Uh, oh Thank my you. God. <laughs> Cause it's so funny. All those I reviews mean, that I read last night. They're all Thank like you. Thank you. <laughs> I guarantee everybody that if you do that and you can prove to me that you're doing that and not losing weight, I will give you your money back. That's fantastic. That's awesome. That is fantastic. How long did it take that, the five minute book right there? Yeah. yeah. I had Dude, an author you, hit me up who said, you know, I've been writing books for years. I never <laughs> got in the top hundred. Go fuck yourself and get so mad at me. I was like, I'm sorry. What do you even tell you? You just deflated every trainer out there trying to charge people $75 <laughs> an hour. Uh, so let's go to the SDR. I mean, that came across, obviously, when it first started, it's expanded since I think your initial thing, because a lot of it started out very sexual, a lot of like porn stars and, and, and people kind while, of, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, how did that begin? Where was, the, what was the kind of the genesis of that? And then how, how, as you've expanded it, kind of trying to bring in a, a larger crowd, how'd you right. go about You know, that? it's funny that I actually have, in a way, Shiprock to thank for SDR show, and I'll give you the, the uh, cliff noted version of it. So I was I hosted, I think, the first two or three years when it was just music, right? And I think it was before they even had a full ship. And it might have been the first year or the second year they went to the full ship. They wanted to start bringing in other forms of entertainment. And Al asked me, do you know any comedians that would fly for rock and roll? And I knew Jay, ancillarily knew Jay. He had been on my show once. We'd run to each other at concerts. And I just knew who he was. I met him with an, another comedian named Craig Gass. And when he came on the, uh, I got him on the cruise that first year. I recommended him. I wouldn't say I got him on, but I recommended him and they, they booked him. They had us host a couple of things together and we just made each other laugh the whole time we were hosting events together. And he had already started his other podcast called Legion of Skanks uh, maybe a year or so before. And he said, you know, I'm doing this thing at the podcast. It does well. You and I should think about doing one together. And I gave a really shitty answer of um, podcasting is for people that can't do radio. I have a radio show. So why would I do a podcast like my at the time the show was on like 60 70 stations to tour bus so why would i like it just made no sense to me and over the course of the next like six months to a year i was reading all about podcasting and how it was becoming so big and the joe rogans and the mark marins and all these people that were like killing it so i called up jay I said, you know on the next ship rock we saw each other i said let's let's do that podcast thing and he said all right let's do it. what are you gonna call it and i had been conceptualizing an idea for a morning radio show called SDR. So I already had the graphic and the SDR show.com, right? The idea of the morning show 10 years ago, 15 years ago was I was going to go out and party all night at nightclubs and rock clubs and whatever. And whoever was still with me at five in the morning, I was going to bring them to the radio show in the morning and do a morning radio show. I figured I could do it for about a year before I wanted to kill myself, but it would be great. And that never <laughs> happened. So I just had the graphics, had the URL, had everything, sent him the image. And Jay goes, fuck it. That's great. Let's do it. And that's how we started the show. But I didn't know what the fuck a podcast was. We just, I knew how to record audio. So we recorded like nine or 10 episodes and never released them. And then one day, Corey Glover from Living Color, who was like our third guest, a friend of mine forever, has done Chip Rock a couple of times, said, dude, what happened to that show I recorded like two months ago? Is it ever coming out? I said, yeah, I should probably learn how to release a podcast at the time it was far more difficult than now and so we started releasing them about five i think five and a half years ago 
And I remember thinking, imagine we get like a thousand people to listen to an episode. How fucking crazy would that be? And now we are, you know, I don't hate discussing actual numbers because it could come off shitty or disingenuous, but we're doing way better than a thousand listeners. Let's just put it that way. And it's just amazing how that that's how we started the show. Well, damn, uh, I, that took away my my big my big J. How you guys met question. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually thank met him, you. Uh, Craig Gass, who's a great comedian. Also, he's the oh, one yeah. if you're a Howard Stern fan, came up with the Gene Simmons voice. He took me to go see Jay perform at a club in, in New York. And we were with and I could be a little wrong on these details exactly. But it's something like this. We were at a poison show when poison used to do the multi band 80s band bills. Mm-hmm. And I think we brought one dude from Warren and one dude from Cinderella to the show and Jay recognized Fred Curry of Cinderella from stage. I was like, well, that nice. dude should come on my show. If he knows who Fred Curry is, let's bring him on, on the tour bus for my radio show. And that's how we became friends. That's even in- more interesting. The, the <laughs> extra level of like, cause it's not, you know, no offense to Curry or whatever, but it's not, you know, it's not Kiefer or something like right. that. It's <laughs> not somebody yeah. instantly recognizable. Hey, right. What's going on yeah. with the gas these days? What's he up to? So Ga- Ga- uh, Craig Gass, you know, it's so weird. I thought you were talking about Gas Digital. I got confused. Craig Gass literally <laughs> texted me as we were going live. I've probably not spoken to him in two years. And he texted me and said he has an idea for a podcast. I said, I'm about to go on the Shiprock podcast. I'll text you back in about an hour. And that's what, right. he there has an idea. Go. That's what's going on with Craig. He has an idea for a podcast as of about 15 minutes ago. So uh, come Monday, Ralph will have a, yet another podcast. So we'll keep everyone. Yeah, no, I think, I think we're holding on. <laughs> Gas Digital has, I think, 22 shows now, mm-hmm. and I don't think we're going to add. I mean, there's one we're working on that will be our last one for a while unless something great drops in our laps. You know, just like yeah. it's a lot to manage. There's probably 100 people that work at Gas Digital between the hosts, the producers, the art people, whatever. It's a lot. So I don't want to do that anymore. I think we're, we're good right now. Was there a threshold of what you what you like? Do, are you producing them? I mean, obviously, at the beginning, you're bringing in, I would assume, a couple properties that are similar in what right. you're doing. So but like as that goes along and you're looking for, uh, you know, content fillers, hours, whatever. Are you finding that and then producing that together with them or how it's, that a, it's an interesting I would say that we every show on the network falls a couple of different paradigms, like a couple of different paths. Um, one is a, an existing show that wants to come to the network two would be something we create in house. And then three would be someone who has a following that may not have a podcast, right? So we just launched with Jesse Leach from uh, kill switch engage, right? Has a following, didn't have a podcast came to us. And I said, yeah, that would be cool. Cool guy. Great story. He's doing this guy called Matt stocks. Who's a a music, like a music writer and stuff. And, so they're doing a show together that's launching next week on the sh- on the network, right? So that's an example of someone with a following that we think should turn into a pretty substantial uh, listenership. We've been wrong a few times. We took on properties that had huge followings and for whatever reason, people didn't find the podcast and it could be any plethora of reasons of why that didn't click or maybe they weren't as passionate about it. It could be any reason. And then we just launched a show called Bye Guys, which is, two bisexual guys on the network that are doing a show together. And that happened kind of conceptually in house. So those are two different examples right there. And then we've taken on, we brought on a couple of shows in the beginning that were more properties like mine and a few others, but that's rarer these days to just take a show that already has a following. It's usually one of those other two. 
Gotcha. So with Buy Guys, did you do like a stationwide poll to figure out who was? No, they they were doing. Then, so there's a show. My my business partner Louis uh, J Gomez. He's a comic. He's my business partner. Yeah. He has a very all of his shows are crazy popular. But one is called uh, Rap Real Ass Podcast. And when he wasn't there, sometimes uh, his co-host Zach, who's one of the Buy Guys, would bring in Ian, and they would jokingly change the name of the show for the day as the Buy Guys episode. And it was just so funny, and they're so likable. That we we talk is that we should make this a show. So now they have that show. That's hey, awesome. <laughs> yes. Hey, speaking of bye guys, let's go one step further. Just for some people who don't realize that you've done this show, can you tell us a little bit story about the uh, queer eye straight eye? What queer eye for queer the straight, straight guy? guy. Well, can you tell us about the, how that transpired? Yeah, and also by the way, it's, it's very timely because I literally just shot the reunion special that's coming out in a few weeks. <laughs> um, so they flew me to L.A. and I, I was there and we shot, but. I don't know. It's a, it, that, by the way, the new show is a great idea. It's called Reunions. I don't know if that'll be the ending title, but they take a classic cast of a show and they do one more episode. So Queer Eye was one of the episodes and they asked me to be the straight guy on that episode. I don't know who's the other, you know, the other shows, but mm-hmm. each week it's a different show being reunited. And I got a hilarious email on Facebook where they said, hey, are you the Ralph Sutton that was on Queer Eye 16 years ago? I said, yes. Why? She goes, well, we're filming a reunion special and the guy we wanted couldn't do it. So can you do it? <laughs> and I said, did you have to tell me the first part? Couldn't you just ask yeah. me to do it? So fucking weird. <laughs> but I ended up doing it. But anyway, so 16 years ago, 17 years ago now, um, my co-host of the tour bus saw the first episode and said, oh, my God, this would be the best promotion for the show possible. At the time, I think we were on maybe 25, 30 stations. And we decided, all right, let's go online. We found the online uh, application form. I tried to make it as amusing as possible. I found the worst possible picture of myself and submitted it. And that was on a Saturday. And literally that Tuesday, they called me. Like dialed your, your landline? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, the, yeah right. they got in touch with me. And uh, then we started working on filming it and we shot it. And it takes about a week. They tell you to pretend it's a day, and it took a week, right? And they were so happy with it because Vince Neil was great, gracious enough to do a live performance on the episode. And they felt like it was was at a strip club that was also a rock club. It was a crazy episode, right? And they felt it would be a big show for them. So they held off the episode to launch the second part of season one. And I fortunately just got to confirm that this was true. In the five-year run of the show, it was the number one most watched episode of all time. I, I read that. my evening. <laughs> yeah. I have to go back and watch that. So, when you did when you did your uh, reunions, was it was it that that original cast or was it like Jonathan and all? Those it was folks? all the original cast. Sans uh, Ted, and okay. I was in the 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 narrative was I was going because Ted couldn't go, and he sent me. That was the idea of the episode, even though I don't know Ted. I haven't spoken. I mean, I haven't spoken to him in 16 years, but that's the narrative that they're putting forth on the episode. Love it. I can't wait to watch it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it was a, it was a kind of a clusterfuck of a, of a, of a special. Like I literally sat in a room by myself for seven hours with no internet, no phone and no television to film five minutes and then go home the next day. So I don't know how much of me is going to actually be in it, but uh, I did get flown out. They paid me. They're supposed to get me clothes. They didn't get me any clothes. They're supposed to get me face and makeup nonsense, you know, hair stuff, whatever. None of it, but whatever. It was fun to see the guys again, and I'm glad I did it. 
Yeah, it's awesome. Hey, flight and flight and paid. That's that's good enough. Yeah, flight and paid. It's good enough. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so hey, dude. So also, I, I, you and I talked about this before, and I think you 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 were a writer. You were a music journalist for a while, right? Yeah, I did. Uh, I used to write for Metal Edge magazine back in. You the still day. dabble in that? Uh, I was doing. Uh, it stopped recently, but for about two years, every other month, I would write a uh, an article on dating because I am very openly a bachelor that is somewhat of a creep because I'm 51 and tend to date girls in their twenties, which I get it. It's disgusting. All for it. I understand. And I have <laughs> um, what I would call pretty creepy dating methods because as my age is, you have to come up with creative ways to meet women. I'm not going to a nightclub. I don't want to be the old dude in the back. You know, not mm -hmm. that you can go to nightclubs now, but you know, as you get older, you just, I remember being 20 something and seeing the 50 year old in the corner, I'm like, look at that fucking idiot. And I don't want to be that guy. So I hit on girls on Instagram and Facebook and I'm very open about my shitty ways of doing it. Um, but so I started writing articles. Uh, it was a, a website called social underground and there's some really, they're supposed to be tongue in cheek, but like how to talk your girlfriend into a threesome, how to date a girl, half your age, how to, you know, what a dating profile says and what it really means like all just dumb shit like that it was fun but i these days you know keeping gas digital afloat and doing two episodes of sdr a week and one episode of good sugar it keeps me pretty occupied i like to say that that sounded like you were carrie from sex in the city <laughs> yeah, little, like, yeah if she was a 51 dating. year old creep that's that's, that's right. basically she was um <laughs> yeah i was gonna say you're probably your probably help you are a personality so i mean, i'm sure that helps in the dating world that you do have some recognition there uh but i always laugh too because speaking of metal edge when we always laughed on ship rocked how people got you and paul gargano confused yeah always to this day still he's <laughs> they call him a uh, west coast ralph and me east coast paul that was our nickname <laughs> there you go people, and people would come up to me all the time on the boat and say always love the magazine dude i'm like uh thanks all right yeah. <laughs> so i love paul and he, I, I did it once to you to paul thinking it was you and i know i knew paul before the ship right and mm -hmm. i was like hey uh Hey, how are you doing? Because <laughs> his wife Rika is from Detroit, and I've known her forever, right? And uh, I was like, he's like, hey man, you good? Because I was literally just standing next to him like five minutes beforehand, like having a drink, and then I thought I saw you, and I was like, hey, uh, it's fucking him. He's like, you gonna get out of here, dude, or not? <laughs> it's pretty funny. So then, also by the way, Justin, in, in to answer your other question about SDR going slightly more mainstream, yes, you know, a I would say. As you get older, you know, I just didn't want to be known as just a tits and ass guy. That's all we're doing every week. And I enjoy, really enjoy the art of a good interview. You know, I love talking to people and finding out things and really uh, doing the research, doing the homework. I love all that. And I have found that, and I hate to use this, this model, but because he was so uh, synonymous with, with radio, you know, the Howard Stern model, right? Which is always, I think it's funny because if you say, Hey, I want to be uh, a chef. People don't say, oh, like Gordon Ramsay. But if you say, hey, I want to be a radio guy, kind of edgy, they go, oh, like Howard Stern. That's how pervasive he was in that platform. He's mm -hmm. the one you compare to, right? But what I liked about him the most when I was growing up is you never knew what was going to happen. Is this going to be a fucking Sabian porn star crazy episode? Or is he going to sit and have a really serious talk with somebody? Or is a band going to perform live? You never knew. So that's what I love about SDR. I purposefully, like when we had Mark Cuban on, which was a great one-on-one -on -one interview for an hour, really fascinating. The following week, we did some debaucherous thing with porn stars because in my head, 
that's fucking funny. A guy that <laughs> tuned in for Mark Cuban, and the next week there's a some ridiculous, which I call them stunt episodes that we did with a girl. It's just funny to me. And then we'll get a great band on. We'll get comedians on. Like during COVID, we've had some knockout guests. Ray Romano came on. Um, so many, so many huge guests came on over the course of COVID. It, it's been phenomenal. Well, there's two, there's two schools of thoughts there. A, the mainstream could have just turned around and come to you. I mean, we're ever-changing culture. Well, the things that we used to think were so taboo, not so much anymore. And also, and like you mentioned Stern, Stern could someone take someone who may be an, an adult film star and get the best conversation and the greatest stories out of them just in a one-on-one, -on -one, somewhat respectful, hey, right. I know what you do. What can you tell us about the business? And probably give you some real eye-opening things other than just it's tits and ass. Right, I agree. Um, there's in fact, a lot going I know that on there. We do really well in the porn industry. I've had a lot of porn stars hit me up that tell me they listen to the show because we're never degrading to the people in that industry. We just try to have fun with them and sure. treat them like they are human beings and not treat them like pieces of meat. So it's always been fun to, to have them on, you know, and we try, I try to come up with, you know, it's so funny to think of like, you know, the, the big guests that we've had on, like always the examples I use when DMC came on of run DMC, right. First time he came on, it was incredible. Like he talks about how he wanted to kill himself and dealing with mental illness and, and trying to, uh, he, he was like the biggest band in the world and he, he tried to kill himself after performing. It was crazy. It was a great, amazing story. But then he comes back a few months later to promote a record. I'm like, well, we can't just do another interview. Let's Jay and I, how about we have a rap battle and he can decide which one of us is least terrible. And that was such a fun episode because we we're both <laughs> terrible, you know, but it was funny. And then trying to find spins with guests that could be interesting and trying to come up with silly show ideas. That's part of the thing that makes me so happy with SDR because coming out of radio of 20 years doing radio where you had so many restrictions that you couldn't get away with anything. If you're going to have no restrictions, you might as well embrace it. Yeah. It's a, it's a variety. It's definitely become a variety show of sorts. If you're having yeah. all that going on. So it's a part, part tonight show, part gong show kind of situation. <laughs> yeah. I would say that's probably yeah. a good, a good description. Yeah. Yeah. So let man, let's, let's talk, let's talk some ship rock lore with you. I'm, you have some great stories. You were with us a long time some of your best stories, if you don't mind, obviously we can, we can leave the names or change the names to protect the innocent here. Well, I will say, first of all, you know, it's been well established that I've never gotten laid on Shiprock, right? I've never, Correct. the only time I've ever gotten laid, if I, if I brought a girl on, which once, you no, know, yet one time the girl didn't last the, the whole time with me, right? One time the girl <laughs> didn't last the whole trip with me. And one time we broke up the day we got back. Right. So, didn't work for me. I stopped bringing girls on the boat, right? Just, Can I ask you, the one that only lasted a day or two on the cruise, where did she end up? Where'd she go? So that was a crazy story. And it really is. So it's so funny. She, you know, I used to be a strip club DJ um, for years, right? And she okay. was a dancer that I knew. I would say not well, but she was very pretty. And we talked about, she was a rock fan. I was mentioning the cruise and she was, I'll come with you. And I give the same spiel to everybody that everybody's going to come on the boat, be it someone working with me or a date or whatever. When you're on the boat, you are part of my brand. You are representing my show. So make sure that you keep that in mind, right? In fact, one of my, my original co-hosts, not my original, but the one that was on the first couple of episodes, uh, uh, first couple of Ship Rocks, she didn't know how to handle her liquor. She got crazy drunk. She passed out in front of Alan, and then they didn't want her back. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. You shouldn't want her back. And that made me get rid of her as a co-host because she didn't know how to represent the brand. So with this girl, I said, look, you're coming on with me. Make sure that you take it, you know, you, you're, you're respectful. But 
She goes, no problem. Because I do get a little crazy with alcohol, but it'll be fun. I'm like, all right. To me, a hot girl says crazy. You're like, yeah, this is going to be great when she's drunk and we're going to have fun. I didn't realize she meant fucking crazy. Like I am on stage and I look out in the audience. She is naked wrapped in toilet paper. Insane, right? <laughs> she didn't come home one night because she, uh, I'm sure she had sex with someone else, whatever, but she passed out and vomited all over herself on a chaise lounge. And I said, you know what? You can't be in my room anymore. You I, And I told Alan, this girl, you can get rid of her. You could drop her off in wherever the fuck we were going. I don't care. I've had this discussion with her. The first night she got idiotically drunk and naked. Second night she didn't come home and she threw up. I don't need her to be on the boat with me. You could kick her off. And this was back when it was only four nights. So there was two nights more to go. And so I really barely see her the rest of the trip. I mean, you know, the boat's big. If you're not looking for someone, sometimes you don't see anybody the whole time. I don't think I saw her maybe once. The last night I was there, I saw her. And I just gave her like a little hello. She gave me a hello, whatever. I go, at the time my father had a place in Miami, I used to, I usually get off the boat at 6 a.m. I don't want to deal with uh, anybody. You know, so many people trying to get off the boat at the same time. I'm home at my dad's place in Miami. She calls me. She goes, hey, um, I'm trying to get off the boat. I said, uh-huh. Like, we hadn't spoken in four days at this point. She goes, yeah, I have a $800 alcohol tab. I'm like, yeah, I told you you were off my room and I wasn't paying for your drinks anymore three days ago. And she goes, oh, um, you motherfucker. She started screaming at me. She was going to sue me and she was going to fucking kill me. And then I just never heard from her again. I don't know what happened. Maybe she started working for fucking MSC. I don't know. Never heard from her again. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> but in terms uh, of memorable <laughs> moments, I always feel, and Chad, you probably experienced a couple of these yourself with, with, with your band, but there's always like one experience that defined that episode, that cruise, that one, right? So the ones I'll give you an example, the one that sticks out for me, um, when Blacktop Mojo did the uh, acoustic version of In the Air Tonight in the atrium and the whole place was surrounding it, that was a magical moment where I was like, oh, my God, like this is you feel that energy. One day there'll be studies on how you can feel kinetic energy of a room when you walk in a room and it just felt magical. Like, oh, my God, the time that Lejean and Corey Glover sang together in the in the main stage room. That was fucking amazing. There's, there's, I could probably think of one for every year where I'm like, oh, my God, that was the moment for this year. And I love when those things happen. Then the most memorable moment for me of all time, which you got made it into the highlight reel of the year I was on, was, you know, I generally host the events and the silly things and the the, the beach wars and the drinking games. And that's what I'm there for to, to try and make those fun. Right. And we did the 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 first time, I think uh, it was a whole ship and it was with Nonpoint. And we were trying to come up with names for the teams for beach wars. Right. And. I just say on the mic, off the cuff, all right, I want you guys to make your, your names of your teams to be the most debaucherous, disgusting, vile name for each team. This is a new tradition. It starts now. And uh, Elias says, we're the breaded shrimp. I'm like, all right, what does that mean? And he goes, if you're having sex on a beach and your penis goes in the sand, that's breaded <laughs> shrimp. And to this day, it makes me laugh every fucking time. And then you hear in that in the promo that you guys released uh, of the Beach Wars, you hear in the background chanting, breaded shrimp, breaded shrimp, 
And it is one of my favorite moments of all time. <laughs> <laughs> the beautiful thing about it is like that, those moments, like you said, they, there's one in Forever Ship. Usually there's multiple versions of them, but there's like the, always the highlight, you know, like right. uh, uh, that breaded, breaded shrimp thing. It, you, the fact that it, it carried on its echo to th- that many people to where there was a moment that in solidarity they were cheering Anything, for trip, such a ridiculous thing. And I think there's only of all the things that, you know, Wilson had done over the years, as far as like festivals and, you know, tours and all that shit, there's a lot of memories, but never anything like the ship, like period, like every year I'm aghast and then taken back by like, is this really fucking happening? And then like I roll into a little, yeah. you know, a little bit after I'm like, ah, oh, I'm in it. I'm like breaded shrimp, breaded shrimp, you know? <laughs> and I think stowaways <laughs> helped a lot with that. I think the, 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 the precursor to the stowaways where they used to have the, uh, like the band, I forgot what they called it, but like the, the band mix ups where it was like, now it's the stowaways. But at the time we would just grab singers and bass players and guitars from different bands and go up on stage and, and, and do a jam, like an all-star jam. I think yeah. that's what they called it. And the first time we did it, it was crazy because I was the ringleader, so to speak, right? So I had the list of everybody that was there. But in true ship rock fashion at the time, it's not like we planned who's singing what, who's no one knew anything. Like the amount of times that, you know, the whole idea, and I'm sorry to pull the, the curtain back for, for the people watching, but the amount of times we in the beginning where we figured out the games for beach wars as we're walking to the beach is crazy like we didn't even know the rule we figured it out but front facing it's everything's always figured out you know that's the way to do it with bands with anybody there might be uh, your your fucking roadies are fucking beating the shit out of each other backstage don't bring that to the stage you know when you're on stage it's front facing professionalism right so i have these 25 band members in, in a backstage area and i'm like all right all right who knows kiss songs all right which one do you know all right what do you and i would make a band and then get them up on stage. And that's how we did it until they came up with the stowaways, which made my life a lot easier because that, that first two times. And then I remember, I think it, I don't remember who it was, but it might've been JJ French. Uh, Cause they twisted sister was on one year. Maybe I think that's what it might be wrong, but I could be wrong. The next night they were going to do it. He goes, we can't do it without Ralph. We don't know what fucking songs we know. So then <laughs> he came back to do that one, which was great. But um, I, I think stowaways brought a lot to the table. And then the thing I always say, and you guys correct me if you could, Feel free to shit on this, right? I ship rock to me always the 10 years I did it, highlight of my year every year, right? That that week, always the best. I feel there needs to be more of the non-band live moments and more of the bands playing games with you moments, bands doing shit with you moments, because you could see a band anywhere. You can't do beach wars with a band anywhere. You can't play beer pong with a band anywhere. So to me, those moments are the ones that will live forever because like, I remember one year it was basketball with Buck Cherry. Uh, it was golf with, with Morgan from seven dust. We just talked to, I just had him on the show. We talked about that the other day. He was so drunk and showed up late. And the game was, it was like 16 people down to one that would then play against Morgan Morgan sitting there by the sidelines, barely awake the whole time. Finally, his time he hits it. Hole in one on the first try, and he just fucking wins, and he goes home. It was fucking. Yeah, I, re- I remember going to get him because he was running late, so we had to go find him. And he opened the door, and I was like, "Okay, we're gonna give you five minutes. Let's let's go, let's go." But you're right, man. I, the the inclusion too, but there is like 
last year we had bad flower. They were a total big part of the whole twister thing and, and the beer pong thing. So when they get involved again, it just makes them, they're no longer the people on the stage. They're just right. hanging and out. Wilson's you know? been great with that. Every time Wilson's a Absolutely. part of the boat, you know, seven does yeah. part of the boat. So those experiences is to me, the ones I think about more than anything, because you're not getting that anywhere else. Uh, from the band's side of it, it's the same. Like, I don't go to, like, a, a rock on the range and, like, sit in my booth to sign the thing at uh, FYE. And when that's done, you know, I'm like, okay, so now what? And they're like, you just go back to that trailer in the back, you know, the one that looks like there's definitely some child fucking going on in it. And you sit there for the rest of the day until you get fucking paid. And then you go home. You're like, there's no version of that anywhere else. And right. from the band side, that's why we loved it. I mean, coming on as fresh faces, you know, we've done, had done very little at the time, but we'd all came from our areas that done things. So mm. that first year we were like, fucking let's do it. What do you want to do? You want us to eat our own assholes right now in front of you? The answer is yes. You know, And even if you and don't want us to, guess what? We're going to do it anyway. Yeah, we'll eat somebody else's hat, you know, but like the idea of it all is like if you're in like bad flower, like Justin mentioned, uh, obviously nine point seven dust you're in and it it literally translated. It changed our lives as as from a band, a small band, like, you know, coming from that ship and then going and getting the first time getting a tour with some of our favorite bands, which mm-hmm. turned into like seeing the ship rockers. It just kept rolling. Yeah. The ship rock sense. bump is a real thing for sure. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It really is. You know, <laughs> Ralph, you mentioned cocaine, but it- <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. So Ralph, you mentioned that, yeah, some of these bands are just, you know, they're not, uh, it might be still kind of awkward for them to get involved in those kind of games or whatever, but you're, you mentioned like Lejean and, and, uh, and, and Corey singing together. It's like, I think at that point that this is the week when they can kind of just, have fun and do yeah. those kind of things that they, they're, A, they're not afforded to because they're never on the road together. And B, because you know what? It's okay to, if you, even if you fuck up on Ship Rock, there's still a memorable moment, right? Right. I agree. 100%. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, they're not being judged. They're just, everyone's stoked to see them out there together. So, and that's always, we always talk about that with people about Ship Rock, the fan, the Ship Rockers, because at the end of the day, this was all about them. And they're just so cool and loose. And even you said, man, you're struggling up there with those first two years prior to the stowaways. But you know what? Everyone in the audience is with you. We're right. all in this They're fucker together. On board. Yeah, yeah, always on board. Because yeah. we'll either sink or swim, literally, on this fucking boat together. So let's 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 be involved with one another and not even give each other a hard time or judge what's going on. They'd love it to be really smooth and pro, but that's not what this is about. Right. It I can be loose, I think man. It's, it's more about a fun vibe. It is funny, though. I realize there is a hierarchy on the boat. Like the people that have been doing it nine years think they're better than the people that have been doing it four years. It's really funny because it's become almost like a, not want to say a religion, but like a real movement where oh i got eight years under my belt you only got two you're a noob it's kind of funny but it shows the power of shiprock how it's become an institution like i years ago stopped caring who was going to be on the boat it doesn't matter who's going to be on the boat for me because i know it's just going to be a good show no matter who it is yeah, it's a, it's yeah. a community, and yeah, they do bust each other's chops about you know getting you know hey I've been on eight, you've been two, but you know what? Guess what? Next year I'll be nine, you'll be three. That's how we're gonna mm-hmm. make this happen. Keep coming on, yeah, and we'll keep seeing each other, and I'll always bust your nut because I'll always be ahead of you. Yeah. But it's always it's always in jest and a lot of fun. But uh, I did I they, did uh, ten in a row, which is crazy. Ten in a row and two motorboats in the middle of that. I was supposed to do the first Motley cruise, and then. The day before my grandfather passed away and I had to cancel the day of um, mm-hmm. because I just couldn't go. Like it just felt weird to go. But I don't know. Yeah. I've never told you there's a crazy story. When I went on the first ship rocked 12 years ago now, I guess it is right. Something like that. 
Mm-hmm. I was going, Al gave me a free cabin. I wasn't going as the host. They just gave me a free cabin because I promoted it on the tour bus. Like we, you know, we promoted it, right? First day, first guy time, the big band, the theater is open on the main stage. This is back with only at half the boat. Tesla is the headliner. And the guy who, I don't know who the guy was, but the host of the, of the boat was a West Coast radio guy. His first thing on stage, he turns on the mic and the first thing comes out and goes, Man, the pizza fucking sucks on this boat, huh? The food's crazy. Shitting on the boat for like the first five minutes, right? And Al was over here and the, the owner of the cruise, the, like the head of the boat, maybe the captain was right there and turns to Al and goes, yeah, that guy cannot go back on the microphone. So six o'clock, seven o'clock in the morning the next day, they call me and say, hey, can you host everything for the rest of the trip? And I'm like, yeah, fine. Fuck it. I'll do it. And then that's how we started uh, the relationship. Yeah. It's always that way, though, isn't it? <laughs> always on the fly. So, man, thank you for your stories about that. That's going to definitely rekindle some people's uh, some people's memories when they when they listen to this. Um, do you want to play Walk the Plank with us? I don't know what it is. I apologize. Normally, I listen to a podcast before I do sure. it. Sure, but it's uh, it's been a very weird. But you've week, listened so. to it for like twelve years in a row because you're playing. yeah <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, Walk the Plank is just three random questions. Okay. Chad and I have one, and then we have a fan one. And we just ask it, just it, it, usually nothing to do with the show, music, your life, anything, just a random question out there in so the universe. A, just so I know, it's a question not specifically written for me. They're just no, random questions. Random okay, questions we come up with. Yeah. Yeah. Chad, you want to you wanna begin? Yeah. Um, it's kind of existential. What remains undone in your life that you would like to get done? Um, okay. That's a good, interesting question. There's a several, I mean, obviously you should never be happy, but, um, I mean, not that, I mean, not never be happy. I mean, like you should, you should always strive forward. Right. Uh, I shouldn't, like I tell my friends that are doing podcasts, never be happy with your numbers. If you have a hundred thousand listeners, it should be, why not 200, you know, that kind of thing. But, um, professionally, I want to see every show on my network have at least 50,000 listeners. That's my big, big thing for the network. That's my goal for the next year to get us to there where the smallest show on my network has 50,000 listeners. That's a professional goal for sure. On an emotional goal, it's the fitness side is happening. So I'm not going to put that in there because I'm almost there, but I haven't had a serious girlfriend in 15 years. I've dated, but not a serious girlfriend. So I would like to see that. I'm sure it's more my mental blocking than allowing than not allowing it to happen. But those two sides of my coin, seeing the business grow to that point and having an actual serious girlfriend, those two things would be what's on my plate to make happen. That's, those are both great answers. And yeah. I, hope, I hope for nothing less than the success in finishing that chapter of your mental I hope it would be so much cooler if you would say, I hope for nothing for you. Nothing. I hope you. nothing for you, <laughs> sir. <laughs> All right, Ralph, my question is this. What has been the most spiritual experience of your life? Wow, that's an interesting question. I mean, the first spiritual is a word I don't love, by the way. I think that it's a it has negative connotations. Well, let's say how about this: what one of you had your biggest uh, revelation? Could that's be a, a epiphany, whatever you know, whatever you make you kind of really stop in your I, tracks I mean, so and go, "Holy I shit!" I would say this: is, it's a shitty one, but it's the first one that can, I'm going to go with my gut with the first thing that comes to mind. Okay, because that seems to be genuine. When I started my radio show, Tour Bus in is '99. And we started a piece of shit little station with no listeners, midnight, in the, you know, for an hour. And then we started getting syndicated, getting bigger. One of my favorite bands of my life was Queensryche. I was obsessed with Queensryche. 
one of only two bands that I went to buy their new album the day it came out back when you did that and you waited online to get the fucking record. I did that with Empire. Had a big Queensryche poster on my wall. Fucking love those guys. To have them perform live on my radio show. They did it in my fucking living room. You can Google <laughs> Queensryche in bedroom on YouTube, rather. Do it on YouTube. And it's them performing um, Eyes of a Stranger in my fucking bedroom. And I'm like, I cannot believe this is fucking happening right now. That is the moment that sticks out in my head. That's a spiritual experience right there. Yeah, that, really was, that was like, I don't understand how I got here. You know, like I had their poster on my wall and now they're in my fucking bedroom performing my favorite song by them. You know, let me ask both of you guys. This is a really interesting question. I think any music fan, when you sit there and you're like, you grow up, you like Queens, right? Well, Chad, I know you're a big Toadies fan. And, and then you have these things, you, you kind of look at them from afar. You haven't yet to meet them or whatever. And then you run a situation like that where they perform there and now they're friends. I could say you probably call them friends, right? Friendish. Yeah. Friend friend, what's it, what's it like? Is that those pinch me moments where you kind of meet them and it's cool or they do something like that where you're like, I can't believe this is fucking happening. Yeah. I mean, for me, I mean, I can't speak for Jeff, but for me, I've never taken it for granted. I'm always very happy that I got to do and get to do what I do for a living. There have been those moments where it just seems surreal. Like I was, out one night, and this is years ago, where Tommy Lee texted me and said he was in town. Where are you? I'm like, what the fuck? Tommy Lee just texted me like, how fucking crazy is that? You know, yeah. and different things like that. It never, it never doesn't freak me out. And when I was doing uh, the radio show, we were my one of my interns. His name is Patrick. His favorite band of all time was Living Color, and we were side stage at a Living Color concert. I got to bring him to the show, and Corey walks over and high fives Pat on stage at a sold out crowd and Pat looks over and he goes, you know, you give me so much shit live every time we're on the air, but this is why I don't give a shit. And I was like, yeah, that's what it yeah. is. It's like, it's so cool yeah. that you get to, because music means everything to all of us. And that's why we, you're on ship rock. Cause it means so much to you. I was going to say this just to be a douchebag. My other spiritual moment was the night that Obama won the first time. I had a fivesome four girls and me. Cause we all celebrated pow, pow, pow. That's great. Did you ever let Obama know that? You should write. Yeah, I tried know. to reach him. Try to get him on the show and talk about it. <laughs> you definitely got to thrill. It. <laughs> yeah, you got to thrill up your leg on that one. Hey, uh, Chad, how about you, bud? Yeah. Have you ever had a situation whether you guys were playing on a bill with someone or you just ran into someone like you were like, you know, I have all your fucking records. I can't fucking believe this. We're talking. Holy shit. Yeah. Actually, right now with the, me. The, yeah, it's yes. happening right now. Yeah, yeah. You can't see below here, but let me just say it is full of potato soup. Uh, the um, the thing happened actually on the show, Justin, uh, and it's and it's been I've had tons of those moments right on tour with a band like when we did Newstead. It was just Wilson in a band called Newstead, which was Jason Newstead. Uh, oh yeah, Metallica. I was, I was, was able like, to piece that together, Chad. Oh, you were? Okay. I just make sure that I just want to say his name in full. So anybody who's listening is like, that motherfucker toured with. Uh, but yeah, that was a huge moment. Right. And he came up to me like the second day of tour. And uh, I was obviously I wasn't going to say shit to this dude unless he said something to me. I said, hey, how you doing? You know, uh, but he came up and he's like, hey, man, I just want to let you know that like we got a list of bands to choose. Right. Our agent would submit. That's how tours happen, right? Who's mm -hmm. available? Here's the top 10. Pick one. Uh, and we chose you. I chose you. And I was like, wow. Oh, okay. Well, um, 
definitely going to go cut my dick off now. (laughs) But like, you know, it was, it was a huge moment. I called my dad right after that. You know, I have a dope picture with us, that sort of stuff. But recently, and this is really embarrassing because it makes, well, for me, for me, it was really embarrassing. We had head on and I grew up like when I went from Nirvana and Toadies, I went into directly into new metal. Right. And for, for all intents and purposes, it was like corn and Limp Bizkit, you know, all day, every day. I bought, uh, when I got into a car accident when I was younger and I lost my life, came back to life, all this crazy wow. shit. And my dad, who, when I was in the ICU for like uh, two months, you know, and uh, my dad said, what do you want? I had all these tubes inside. What can I get for you? And I had all these tubes inside my mouth so I couldn't talk. And I wrote down on my on a piece of paper, a seven string guitar. And, uh, uh, you know, my family by no means had money for something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. But somehow, some way, when I got out of the hospital in my bedroom was a seven string was wow. specifically uh one of the corn seven string guitars now, i didn't get to tell head that but uh so that episode that we had him on a few weeks ago like it w- meant a lot <laughs> to me mm-hmm. it, so it meant it even it got and you don't know this ralph but uh my video uh just kept falling out and it paused so i had to like turn the video off and like do it just with uh, with voice, mm-hmm. and it killed me the entire time. But also, like I was kind of thankful that that happened because I didn't so want him to sweat. see me going like. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, those are those are definitely my my my. That's top, cool, man. Top. I did not know that, so that's a great story. As I'm also yeah, to tell say, anybody. Chad, I'm a little disappointed that you wouldn't tell him that you got a guitar for him like that. That to me is like when you have those opportunities, take those fucking shots. Tell those people they they yeah. just as much as. You affect them; they affect you. You know, it's like there's no reason not to do that. I'm a big yeah, fan of. I yeah. should, you know, d- d- you should probably know that, Chad, you idiot. But uh, my dad actually mentioned that too because I called him afterwards. I said, "You'll never guess who was just on the show," and I told him, and he's like, "Do you tell me I got your guitar, his guitar for you?" And I said, "Nope, nope." <laughs> and by the way, if you were on SDR and you said we got head on, it means a very different thing. Yeah. <laughs> Hey Chad, we'll have uh, we'll have uh, Brian back for a round two, so you can you can do it then. So um, it's just splooge all over the screen. <laughs> hey Chad, do you want to go ahead with a fan question for Ralph? Yeah, I'm sure, the, so, the, I'm sure the fan is so pissed that the question goes to me and not like Ed or someone else. <laughs> or Zach, Wilder no, this is this list. is specifically for you, so it's they weren't like you know, give this to whoever. Oh, it's going to uh, Ralph. Fuck. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, they know it's going so, to you. So they asked. Um, w- Okay, hold on. What do you complain about more than anything else in life? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's just the, those are the words. Hands down, my fat- fatness, because I hate that I can't look down and see my penis, and it drives me crazy. So I've been—that's what that I was realizing. How often I, you know, over the last year, I was so tired all the time, just want to go to bed, just didn't want—I didn't have any energy, and it's all because of my fatness. And I said, all right, I got to change it. There's an episode of SDR where. Jay challenged me to do a pull-up and I thought well, I used to be able to do easily 20 pull-ups. I could do fucking one. And on the show, we brought the cameras outside. You could see the videos on fucking YouTube and there's an angle from the side. And I was like, Oh my God, I am fucking fat. Like it was so my belly was hanging over my belt and it was disgusting. And that was part of that big during that time. I'm like, okay, I got to fucking change. That's it. And now every day I think about like, I even now sound so 
uh, wimpy. I don't know, like wussy-ish is I write down every single thing I eat every day. And I just try to make sure, because I think when you have that accountability, you're going to write, am I going to really write down bacon cheeseburger? I don't want to do that. So let me just have a fucking salad. You know, that kind of thing. They're just giving you that accountability. So yes, I'm complaining the most right now about feeling, even though I'm getting to the right side of it, I'm not where I want to be yet. So I complain about my weight probably more than anything. Uh, real quick before we we move on from this, because I think there's two things for me. I think I, I hear you. I definitely thought you were going to say when you were doing the pull up from the side, you said, oh, my God, my dick is huge because you could see it from from the side. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> the other part is I don't think there's anything wimpy about that at all. In fact, I think that that takes more courage than anything. Uh, you know, you're like Sparta when it comes down to like uh, ch- checks and balances. That's yeah, I, yeah, for sure. It's been you know, it's also it's funny. We had um. A lot of people on both uh, Good Sugar and SDR lately, where I think in the last couple of years, maybe COVID was a, a, a catalyst to this, where for the first time ever, mental health and wellness for a dude is okay to talk about. Where it used to be like, come on, man, just man up and get out there, you know, get up there. And now I'd say over the past couple of years, it's okay to say, yeah, I'm not, I don't feel right today. I feel something's wrong. You know, where yeah. it used to not be, you can't do that. You're just, you're a dude, go out there and tough it up. And so part of that show of good sugar has been a lot about, you know, opening up and being okay with be okay with not being okay. You know, it's, it's, it's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. The good thing you were mentioning, you're talking about like writing down your foods, you're eating stuff like that. It's like, we always get confused between motivation and discipline. You really need discipline. Motivation is so fleeting. You know, I was motivated to run tonight, but discipline is like, I'm doing it Monday. Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, right? Right. So yeah, that's good stuff, man. Thanks for being open and honest with us, Ralph. That's that's awesome. this, but everybody has ideas. It's all about implementation, and that holds true in in everything, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Ralph, you still people can find you at IamRalphSutton.com. Well, IamRalphSutton.com, but I am Ralph Sutton everywhere. Be it Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, I, I just I'm there a big go. fan of the term social symmetry. So it's the same okay. everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I coined um, that term. Feel free to use it. Obviously, uh, people can check you out at Good Sugar Podcast, SDR Podcast. Uh, go buy his book. It's a quick read. Um, <laughs> you know what I wanted to do, by the way? I was going to release an, an, uh, an audio version of it, and it was going to be three hours long. The opening was just going to be the four words, two hours and 58 minutes of silence, and then I was going to read the trademark and copyright at the end just because it's funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and uh, basically, people can get you wherever they stream pretty much. Yeah, and we right? got some great shows coming up on SDR. We uh, Alice Cooper's coming up. Let's hear him. Yeah, let's hear him. Let's hear him. Alice Cooper's coming on. A great new band called The Lonely Ones. Um, Bebe Buell, the famous, uh, she doesn't like really? the term, uh, we won't say uh, Muse is a good way to put it. Um, but we've had such a great run. Damon Johnson was on uh, from um, Brother Kane and, and just a lot of. We have we mix it. We just did a crazy episode last night, which was two truths and a lie with a porn star. It was really funny. Uh, we do a lot of great. This is a great. I can't say enough. I'm very proud of the SDR show. Is the best way to put it. Both shows are great, but SDR, like the fact that I get to do that every week, is crazy, and it really it makes well, me happy. You know, your numbers are there, and you you know that's going to keep growing because you're having these guests. It's funny you mentioned Bay Buell. So Bay Buell is obviously Liv Tyler's mom. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So that's fun. It's Steven Tyler's, uh, you know, old lady from way back when. Yeah, although apparently in doing my initial research, he he didn't know it, that she lied and said it was uh, Derringer's kid, I think. Oh, yeah, it's Todd Rundgren's kid. Rundgren's kid. kid. We also, by the way, just had Shaggy on, which was great. The Struts were just on. Uh, Pete Holmes, a brilliant comedian. Kyle Dunnigan, another brilliant comedian. Really just uh, great, fun episodes. 
All right. Well, listen, man, we can't thank you enough for joining us. This has been great, dude. I, it, it, awesome. Awesome. And thank you, obviously, for being so candid. And please give our best to Big J. We, uh, you know, love I to hear from him Chad, as well. Um, we were supposed to bring you into the studio right before COVID. We were texting about you coming in. When the world opens up, we should bring you both on. Come on in and hang out. I don't know if you I know you wouldn't be a part of this, but we have, um, you know, Jelly Roll, right? Jelly yeah, Roll is a really big rapper. Um, mm-hmm, yeah. Johnny Three Tears from Hollywood Undead, right? Yeah. Um, and one or two others are all coming in for the next drug episode. So if you guys want to just come in and oh, watch. Oh, fuck it there. Just if you give me the invite, I will, <laughs> I will be straight. there. I'm giving you the I was going to mention, like, if you want me to come on and do any, like, crystal <laughs> math, or anything, just let me know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, listen, Ralph, uh, thank you again, buddy. Uh, Chad, as always, thank you. Uh, guys, this has been Making Waves, episode 33. We are the Shiprocked Podcast. We are part of the Sound Talent Media family. Um, check us out wherever you get podcasts and please subscribe so you don't ever miss one episode. Quickly, before we check out tonight, thank you to Al McManus, our producer, Jen Zito, our engineer, Heather Smith, our coordinator, and of course, the captain, Alan Koenig. Um, what else? Housekeeping. Uh, rooms still available for Shiprock 2022, so grab those. Uh, as per the captain, the lineup coming soon. We have one shirt left, too. Yeah, one we have we have one Fog 2020 shirt. I think it's a large. So, yeah, those sold really well. So, thank you. Um, obviously, again, Ralph, thanks. And, uh, man, best of luck, everybody. Thank you, guys. Hello out there. Yes, we're out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together, we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimbut the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!